Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Good Podcast, the podcast where we chat about, talk about all things Porsche. Owner stories again today, number 31, number 31 in the Owner Stories series. Uh, and today I have uh, Stephen coming in. Uh, Stephen's owned a couple of Porsches. He's owned a couple of interesting cars from what he's told me briefly through, um, through email. Um, so I'm running a little bit late. I've got five minutes to get Zoom set up. I'm going to set Zoom up. I'm going to connect with Stephen, and we're going to talk about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Owner Stories. Uh, this is number number thirty one, number thirty one of the Owner Story series. Um, and today I'm joined by Stephen, and Stephen's coming in from the UK, from London. Um, hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm well, Mike. I'm actually based in Jersey, in the Channel Islands. Oh, you're in Jersey. Okay. Um, yes, I come from London originally, but I've lived in Jersey for a long time. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Um, so, uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen, like, well, actually, you didn't reach out to me by Instagram, did you? You sent me an email. I was going to say most people get in contact with me and ask to be on these uh, owner stories and, and tell me and tell everyone about their Porsches through Instagram. Stephen sent me an email, and I just want to say that just a reminder to anyone else who wants to be on this uh, on this series. Um, I'm still recording them. I haven't finished. Uh, even though we're up to number 31, I'm still going. Um, so if, if you have a Porsche and you want to talk about it and uh, you just contact me through Instagram or you can send me an email as well, which is through the Instagram as well. Uh, and then we can schedule a time for you to talk about um, your Porsche cool owner story. Um, so Stephen, I always like to start these podcasts with, you know, going back to when when you first, I mean, I guess when you first became interested, in, not just in cars, but when you first started noticing Porsche and, and then lead on to the fact of when you, when you eventually, you know, bought your first Porsche. So how did Porsche come into your mindset? How did you start thinking about Porsche? Did you, did you have family friends that had, had the car when you were a kid or was it later in life? When did you start thinking, you know, I really like to get myself a Porsche? Um, well, let, let, let me start by saying that I think I've been uh, into cars uh, for as long as I've been uh, able to walk. Um, my, my father uh, was uh, an engineer at Ford Motor Company, so cars okay. were very much part of our lives, uh, as I say, from, uh, from the beginning. Um, and all sorts of cars, not, not just Ford cars, but uh, anything and everything. Um, I actually still have my first uh, Porsche, it's a little model, which I think I got when I was about seven or eight years old of a, of a 911. Uh, I think I was always intrigued by shape of them. Um, like a lot of young children, I was into Skeletrics and I had a Porsche 911 Skeletrics car. Um, so always, always fascinated by them. Um, I, I didn't get, I didn't really get into, uh, I suppose, classic cars until uh, the 1980s, and that wasn't buying, that was simply looking. Um, it wasn't until I'd been working for a few years and I could, you know, I could start to indulge myself a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I, I started um, uh, looking around. Uh, the first 911 I drove was actually in Jersey. I think it was something like a uh, an SC convertible from the early 80s. Okay. And I absolutely hated it. Um, <laughs> it had a ferocious clutch. It was heavy, um, and it, it, for those people that don't know Jersey, it's an island in the English Channel that's nine miles by five, has a maximum speed limit of 40 miles an hour. Um, despite that, it has a truly spectacular collection. Uh, there are some really fabulous uh, 
vehicles over here. Okay. Um, and I, I, I drove this 911 and thought, my God, this is awful. Why would anyone like a 911? So whose 911 uh, was that? Whose 911 was it that you drove? It was. It, it just belonged to somebody that I knew. It was a. a it was a chance drive. Okay. Um, as I say, I'm fairly sure it was about an 82. I think it was, a, say, an, a, an SC convertible. Okay. Um, and and I just, I literally consigned 911s to the dustbin <laughs> down and thought, that's it. I'm not. I'm. I'm never going to have one. I came back to them in the early 2000s because I had a thing about. And I still do about early 9-11s. That's that's pre pre seventy three impact bumper ones, which I for me I think look look best. And and somebody I knew in Jersey who was a very serious uh, collector uh, put me on to the guys at Auto Farm in Oxford, yes. uh, and a guy called uh, Josh Sadler. Uh, and for those people with a with a, a long history, they they will know Josh. Uh, I, I went to see Josh, and he had a, uh, a 2.4S that he just restored. He had taken it up to um, 2.7, okay. uh, and he'd made it look like an SC, uh, sorry, an ST from the 1970-71 ST. Um, and it was in blood orange, uh, and I drove it, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and we did a deal on it there and then. Um, it's actually it's a reasonably famous car because it was owned by um, a journalist called Chris Harvey who wrote a book about 9-11s. Okay. The, the car is actually on the front cover of the book. It, it had some magazine articles um, written about it. Um, and, you know, I loved it. it. It was one of those cars that was uh, every journey in it was an adventure. It was just a very, very exciting car. So that's a very uh, that's a very special car for your first nine eleven. Yes, um, it, it was you know extremely um, extremely challenging for someone like me to drive. I, I've not had a lot of experience with classics. I at the time I had an E thirty M three BMW, which I used to do track days uh, with, and you know M threes of that ilk are also fantastic cars. But they flatter your driving. You can you can put an M3 round the track and you can come in and you can think, you know, you've you've really cracked it and you're a great driver. You don't do that with an with an old 911. Yeah. Um yeah. it's it's a completely different experience. And I I enjoyed it. Um I think I took it to France one day down to Le Mans, and I was going, I think, fairly quickly, shall we say, on on the motorway. And I suddenly realized that if this car got away from me. I was never ever going to be able to catch it. Yeah, yeah. So it was very. So it was a two point four up to a two point seven, was it? It was a two point four S, and it had had um, uh, an uh, an enlargement to two point seven. Uh, it had the slightly flared arches on it, so it looked like an ST. Um, and sorry. So let's just go back then. So the, the that first Porsche that you drove, the Cabriolet SC, you think it was early eighties. Yep. Compared to this uh, seventy two, isn't it seventy two nine eleven? Yep. Um, what was it that was different? Can you can you recall what it was? Yeah, that, it was that, that you reason. Yeah, you hated the other one, and you get into this one, and you love it. It was so much lighter. Lighter. The clutch okay. was lighter. The gear chain was lighter. Um, I think it helped. Looked so much nicer in my eyes. I'm not a, a huge fan of, of 911 Cabriolets. Um, I, I think this just looked so strong. Uh, yeah. It sounded fantastic. 
Uh, it had twin pipes on the rear. Um, and I think I was just caught in, I, I expected it to be um, really challenging to drive even at slow speeds, but found actually for just normal driving, it was, it was, it was quite easy. Um, and it was just a joy to drive. If you wanted to push on with it, then I think you had to be, had to be quite careful. Yeah, yeah. So what happened but to I, that car? Do you, st- you don't still own that car though, do you? Uh, alas, no, I don't. I had it for a few years. Um, I sold it. I sold it back to Auto Farm. Okay. Um, pretty much what I paid for it. So I thought at the time I had done a good deal. Um, I'll share with you all that I sold it for about £30,000. Really? What year is that, Stephen? I sold it in 2005. Okay, so from my my knowledge about the prices of 2.4 S's, aren't they somewhere around £120,000 today? Thank you, Michael. Yes. (laughs) They are? Is that correct? That's right. That was a good guess. I know that because the car has sold recently. Okay. I, I, I don't know what made me do it, but about a month ago, I Googled the registration. Oh, really? Quite a well-known one. And um, Paul Stevens in Essex has sold it recently um, to somebody. And he had uh, he had the history on the car. He, he made reference to, to my ownership of it. Not, not by name, of course, but um, he made reference to the period I owned it. Uh, and there's an article in it um, in Porsche 911. Okay. 911 and Porsche World, I think it is. Yes, yes. Uh, there's an article in the December uh, magazine about it. Okay, I'll have to look um, out for that one. I'm pretty sure that it went it went for a, it went for a significant sum. Yeah, um, for sure, know. for sure. Because anyway. it's so well sorted and such a good history, and it's going through good hands as well. It's being sold by good dealers, isn't it? So yeah. So the owner, the the, the guy that bought it, um, oh, the next owner after me, I think he's only just sold it. So he he did the sensible thing. He kept the car long term. And he, he loved it. We, you know, we always have these stories, Stephen. You know, we always have these stories of the ones we missed or the ones we let go. So what was the reason why, you let, what was the reason why you let this one go? Because it's in orange as well, right? It's in one of the best colours. Not only that, it was yeah, orange, correct? I suppose, so, I suppose at the time, <clears throat> I suppose at the time I was having um, quite a tough time at work. Um, and I, I didn't feel it was right to, to have... Uh, have these cars at a time when, uh, quite frankly, I was laying people off at work. Oh, okay. I, um, I thought it, it just didn't seem right to, as I say, have these cars and to be talking about them. Uh, and people at work knew I had them because I was working in a small company. And then in the next breath, laying people off. Okay. okay. So I thought I, I thought the better thing to do was to was to. Oh, that's understand. That's you know, that's a good way of looking at it. Um, so, so you've got the nine eleven. You you sell it. What happens next? What comes next? Well, I waited for a couple of years, yes. and then um, then I bought um, a Mercedes five hundred E. Yes, which is which is in part Porsche, of course. It is. It is um, because which some it's, people it's, don't know about, do they? It's it's some people know about it, and some people don't know about it. I only have a little bit of knowledge about it, but it was designed in collaboration with Porsche. Well, it was the um, uh, the, the basic car was uh, was of course the, uh, the Mercedes, um, and they, for whatever reason, wanted to build uh, a high performance, um, and they asked Porsche to help them. Uh, and it's 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 interesting because the car 
The car would, um, uh, as I understand, I think Porsche did the uh, chassis and the drivetrain. Um, they, they would assemble that. Um, and the car, over a period of 18 days, would pass between Porsche and Mercedes backwards and forwards uh, while it was built. And I think it took about 18 days to build. They were handmade, and yet they were built in quite large numbers. Uh, and the, the best way I, I can describe them is they, they look like a Parisian taxi, but they mm. go like a Ferrari. Um, yeah, it's the five, 500E you told me. Which It's the 500, yes. Yeah. So built, I think, between about 89 and 94, 95. Yeah, my knowledge of it was, and I can't even remember the car that Porsche was doing, Porsche's factory was overloaded, wasn't it? Their production line or something was overloaded. They were developing something and they didn't have the production capability to do it. So they, Mercedes-Benz, I'm sorry. And then- I think gave, it was Mercedes who were very, at the time, I think yeah, they were Mercedes very Benz. the S-Class. Yeah, that's and right, the S-Class. Yes, help. yes, yes. And then yeah. they gave it to Porsche to help them that's manufacture right. it. Yeah, that's right. But they're very collectible today as well, aren't they? There's not so many that come up for sale. No, they, and, and they are very collectible. I'm a, um, a huge F1 fan. And um, I knew that lots of the F1 drivers used to, used to drive them. Um, and I suppose there, there, there was an appeal there. Uh, I bought it actually uh, with a friend and, and I saw it for sale. I think it was in Blackpool. Uh, went up, I'd never driven one, but had a, had a go in it and just thought it was, um, it was a fantastic car because it, I mean, by modern standards, it's not particularly quick, um, but it's, it's, it's a fast enough car. It has an air suspension, I believe. So it's very, very comfortable. And it feels bulletproof. Uh, you very often see them sale with very high mileage on them because I think they were widely, widely used, unsurprisingly, in Germany, people running up and down the autobahns. In yes, it. yes. And, you know, and, we, that, we, and, and that year of Mercedes is having a big, you know, it, it's very popular at the moment, isn't it? That, that era of those Mercs. It you is. Know, sedans, it is, because wagons. they were beautifully built. Yeah, they're beautifully built. And it's, you know, it's, it's still a beautiful, I, I, I love the look of it. It's a great looking, I think it's a great looking Merc. It was nice because it was, uh, it was quite understated. Um, and we did, um, we did a great, uh, had a great time. We did, a, did a, a road trip to the Monaco Historic in it. And you could literally just sit on the motorway. Um, all day at, um, at very, very high speed. And it was, it was very, very comfortable. And it was just a lovely car. The check seats inside, lovely features like electric rear blinds. Um, yeah, yeah, nice, all, nice. All, all, all sorts of things. Um, you'd never track one, um, but if you, were, if you were going to do uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of long-distance motoring, then I, I, can, I can really recommend them. Yeah, and they're pretty bulletproof today, aren't they? Like you said, they've got a lot of miles on them, a lot of kilometres, but they're still reasonably yeah. reliable. They're still a reasonably reliable car, and people we, are, we are had searching no them out. Yeah, 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 exactly. We had no issues with it. I mean, we, we had it for a few years. So there's a trend here, Stephen. You've got, you know, you've had this beautiful nine, 1972 911 in orange, very special. Now you've got the Mercedes 500E developed by Porsche. So... You know, you're on a you're on a very good track here. So, what what comes after the Merc? You you obviously don't have the Merc today. You sold it. Yep, the Merc went. Uh, so after that, there was uh, I suppose you would say a, a segue into a Ferrari, oh, okay. Ferrari four five six um, uh, manual. Yes, uh, which actually uh, we sold last year. Um, I shared that with my brother. Um, I can talk about Ferraris all day, but this is a Porsche podcast, so I won't. Except to say. 
I haven't hidden the fact that I like Ferraris. So, you know, I have actually spoken about it on a few of the podcasts before. But the 456 is one, another one, which I noticed there's someone I follow on Instagram who's just bought one, actually, who's got a Porsche and he's just bought a 456. They're quite good value, aren't they? They are extremely good value to buy. Hard um, to maintain. They they can be expensive to maintain. I mean, I, we, we had ours for about nine years, my brother and I. Right. Um, and you can go along for a few years and you can get uh, sort of moderate bills. But then all of a sudden you get hit with a really substantial bill, particularly for engine work. Uh, and we had we had one or two of those. So if I if I look back on the whole ownership experience, the car is 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 a, is a magnificent car. Again, if you're doing a lot of long distance motoring, uh, it's absolutely fantastic. The manual gearbox uh, is a delight. It's a very comfortable car. It's very easy to drive. Um, it's a nice looking car though. The four five six. And it's a, a, I like it. It's I a very it, yeah yeah I like it. Some people don't, but I actually I actually like it. It's a ni- I think it's a really nice shape. Not as exciting to drive as a 550 Maranello, no. Um, but it, but in my view, it's 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 a better looking car. Um, and if you want an understated um, Ferrari that's to say that's comfortable, uh, and you 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 can do long uh, long distance in, then it's it's a very good buy. Okay, cast your memory back because the segue into the Ferrari and everyone you know I know the listeners like to hear comparisons between different cars. How did it feel from driving your you know your 72 911 to your 456 Ferrari? Was it a big, huge power difference? What What was it that you that you can remember was the main sort of feeling you had in that car compared to the 911? Well, the Ferrari was uh, uh, much easier to drive. Uh, I, I mean, to give you some idea, I think the Ferrari weighed about 1,600 kilos, something like that. The, the 911 weighed 1,000 kilos. Right. Um, the Ferrari had twice the power of the uh, of 911. But it, in, if, if you... If you drag race them, I suspect the Ferrari would have won, but perhaps not by a great deal. Uh, but the driving experience, totally different. One is a, a flat six rear engine car. One's a front engine V12. Yeah, yeah. Ferrari, easy to drive, quite frankly. Um, you know, o- Almost anyone could drive one. Um, say very comfortable. Um, yeah, so just, what, just was more, what was more fun, though? Which one did you enjoy driving more? Uh, I, I think it probably depended on the circumstances. On okay. a on an dark wet motorway in England in the rush hour, <laughs> I'd rather be in the Ferrari. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, on on an open road, <laughs> I think one night I had to get the um, the nine eleven back to Jersey. So I got up at three o'clock in the morning and drove across Salisbury Plain just as the sun was rising. There was nothing on the road, and I certainly remember that journey in the nine eleven as being one of the most exciting. Okay, I had okay. In it. Um, so on a clear road, I think that the 911 was utterly glorious. Fantastic. All right. So we're into a Ferrari now. How long do you own the Ferrari for? Very long? Uh, we had nine years we own the Ferrari. Okay. So quite a long time. So you really did enjoy that car? We really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, it, it, we, we kept it in England. There was absolutely no point in having a car like that in Jersey. Um, but we used it. We used it in, in, in France. Uh, and in the UK, uh, and it was yeah, it was just uh, a, a great thing to have. And this was a car you owned with your brother, you said. I did, yes. And so was that the was that the final? Was that the reasoning why you sold it? Because you just both. I think we just felt that we'd we'd probably driven it fifteen or sixteen thousand miles. We'd we had done everything we wanted to do with it. 
Um, also, I had the 912 in in restoration we'll get into uh, that as one well. And, and my wife tells me that you can have too many cards. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't agree with it myself, but you can have not you enough. Can. You can have not enough garages, I think. Well, that's absolutely it. That's absolutely <laughs> the case. And having already built an extra garage, um, uh, I can I can relate to that. All right. So you're driving a Ferrari. You've got this Ferrari. Uh, you just mentioned the 912, which which we'll get into. Where where did the Boxster fit into this? Because you mentioned to me you owned a Boxster as well. Well, I, yeah, I did. I had um, uh, uh, I bought a Boxster, a new one in uh, ooh, where are we? 2014. Okay. So I I I I've always I'd always liked the Boxster. Um, I, uh, I, I particularly like the shape of it. It's the 981, isn't it? Is that right? 981, yeah. 981. I particularly like the shape and the styling of that. Um, and living on an island, which is a little bit funnier than the UK, I thought it was sensible to have a, uh, a convertible. Um, and, and I'm quite, I'm quite anal about specifications in the cards and I wanted to just spec one. In, in the way that I wanted. Okay. So you purchased this new, Stephen? So I, I ordered it and I purchased it new. Um, and I kept that actually until last year. So I kept it for six years. And guess what? I sent it to my brother who has it oh, Okay. So how did you spec it then? Because I know the listeners are always interested to know, you know, personal oh, preferences. I, well, yeah, I, I put on the Carrera alloys. Um, uh, it was in grey, Ajax grey. Um, living... Living in Jersey, it makes far more sense to have PDK than it does manual. Yep. Um, I know a lot of purists would would go for a manual, but it doesn't make much sense on the island. Um, I order. Uh, I had the Bo- No, I didn't have the Bose. I bought a, uh, an upgraded sound package, which I think was a subwoofer that okay. goes in the boot, which was which was was okay. I think with the benefit of hindsight, the Bose system would have been better. And I had sat nav in it because the dealer said, "Don't buy it without putting." Okay. What about exhaust? Well, no exhaust, no sports no, exhaust. No, no. I thought the exhaust was fine. I, I didn't want to go crazy on on the spec because uh, I'm an accountant, and uh, okay. I like. I wanted to make sure I got reasonable value out of it. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't sort of terribly expensive when it was finished. Um, was it a Boxster S or a Boxster? No, it was a standard Boxster. I, I had read an article which said um, that in many ways the standard Boxster is one of the very best Porsches because you yes. get all of the Porsche DNA um, and in, 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 in a sort of a, a reasonably good value package. Yeah. Um, no, I've, and, I've and read I, that as well. Even with the 986 Boxster, even with the generation before, people say that the manual, the standard base is, is, is just as good. And I've had a few conversations with people who have bought the base on owner stories, which you might have listened to with Stephen in Australia uh, and um, Jeff just recently in San Diego. And they both got a base and they both, you know, there's plenty of power, plenty of enjoyment. A- a- absolutely. I-, I thought the car was quick enough. I, before I bought it, I did a day at um, the Porsche Experience at Silverstone. I wanted to really try the car out. And, and I, I found that very useful if you're buying a new car because you can basically tell tell Porsche the car you want and then you get to drive it okay. um, for a few hours. Um, and I just thought the car was fabulous. I tried a 911. And of course, you know, 911 was brilliant. But I thought to myself, well, the 911 is twice the price of the Boxster. Yeah. And I think the Boxster must be 90% of the 911. Yeah, and I'm value. not sure I'm ever going to extract that last 
Yeah, yeah, good value, good value. So during so during during the ownership, then during the ownership, were there any issues that that arose with the Boxster? Anything that you want to tell the listeners that 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 happened to it, or was it really reasonably reliable? Uh, I would say it was it was uh, totally reliable. Uh, I had no for this for the six years I owned it, I had no problems with it at all. I when I got it, uh, I actually ran it in by driving it down through France and through Italy to watch the Mille Emilia. Oh, okay, fantastic. Uh, so we did about a two and a half thousand mile road trip. Um, I I took it on a couple of trips through Europe. It went to the UK a few times, and it was totally reliable. Fantastic. I don't recall anything um, going wrong with it. My brother will eventually listen to this podcast, so <laughs> I hope he has the same experience. The, the other trend here is that you seem to be doing lots of road trips. I like that. You seem to be going to, to Europe and France and going to these places and, and enjoying the cars that you own, which is fantastic. You, you, when, when you live on a small island, you need um, to get you away. Have, <laughs> because you, well, well, I come from the UK originally, um, but um, it, it's very difficult in a small island, whereas I say we're at a speed limit of 40 miles an hour, which is. Um, fairly rigidly enforced i okay. tell you that i got stopped once in the orange 911 for doing 60 miles an hour in a 40 zone right and i was offered a 200 pound fine or 14 days in jail wow um you can see that they don't have a system here and quite rightly okay so you so you zone. need to get away you need to go to europe and start driving the roads around there then you've to, to you need to get away that. yeah yeah you absolutely need to get away all right so you got the boxster um, during the Boxster ownership, so when what what else is there? Does anything is there anything else before the, the nine twelve comes during Boxster ownership, or when does yes, the nine twelve arrive? The, the, the nine twelve arrived in uh, August two thousand nineteen. Um, okay. I I mentioned earlier, I think that I've always loved old uh, old nine elevens. Uh, I think the shape for me, the shape is the best of all. Yes. Um, I, what I realized is that you, when when you buy a car, I think it's good to have a plan as to what you're going to do with it, and because that will shape the car that you buy. Uh, and I I wanted to have a go at an historic rally. Okay. Still want to do that, and I I re- remembered back that the car I one of the cars I most enjoyed was the E30 M3 that I bought. Back in about 2002, I'd mm. done quite a lot of track dates with it, and I'd really used and enjoyed the car. I bought another one later on that was a very low mileage, um, a real collector's car, and, and we never used it because we were, quite frankly, it just became, it was too valuable, the mileage was too low, and I thought, there isn't much point in owning an M3 that you don't drive. Yeah, it's a great car. It's a very good car. It is car. a great car. Uh, and so I thought, well, if, I, if I'm to get an old an old Porsche again. I want to be able to use it, and I don't want to be too precious about it. Okay, so you're thinking about getting another Porsche. Do you start looking for a 912, or do you start looking for a you know 60 to 70s, late 60s to early 70s 911? How, what do you start looking for, and how do you come across this 912? I, I started looking for a 912 principally because I thought it, um, if I'm if I'm to get uh, an old 911 and I'm, and I'm to do some historic rallies in it. It's it's going to be uh, quite a serious purchase. Um, I'd also had an old 911, and yeah. I thought I, I knew the 912. Uh, let's say was the unknown, uh, and I wanted to try one. 
Uh, and what, what I typically do is I start by, you know, I'll buy some books. I will do like everybody else. I'll, I'll go onto the internet. I'll do research. I'll read magazine articles so that I can build a body of knowledge myself. Um, and then I'll start looking to see what's available and, and you know, what, 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 what parameters are, what, what do you get for your money? Yes. So, um, I started doing that, um, and then I did everything that you shouldn't do. I, I remember it very clearly. I was literally sitting on my sofa one day, and I saw this car for sale in, in Kent okay. uh, at, a, at a garage uh, that happened to be very near my mother's place. Right. Um, they're not Porsche specialists, but they had a 912. It was Irish green, and it looked – and I thought, well, this is very handy because I'm going to be over next week. I could just nip down and have a look at it. And I did that. Uh, I drove it. Uh, I thought it was lovely to drive. I know 912s are, uh, you absolutely notice the difference between a 912 and a 911 because you don't feel that rear end weight. It's a very nicely balanced car. Yes. It's not fast, but it's fast enough. And I wanted a car that I could bring home to Jersey that I could use around the island that I wasn't going to get frustrated with. Okay. So it, it, it struck me as being, you know, ideal. Um, the, the dealer I bought it from, I think, was a very genuine guy, but he didn't know anything about old Porsches. Um, it, it didn't... What sorry. sort of condition was this car in, though, Stephen? Was it, had it been through any type of restoration process or was it just pretty much uh, original? Um, it had been through quite a lot. Um, it had quite a lot of work done at Revival Cars. Okay. Uh, and I, I didn't have a lot of history, but I could see the builds from the previous three or four years at Revival Cars. So I knew uh, they're, they're 912 specialists in the yes. UK. So Very good, I knew I knew that they had um, they, they'd cast their eye over the car. It looked, it looked pretty good. It was, um, I, I managed to um, figure out that it was a matching numbers car, okay. which I later had confirmed by by Porsche. I, I wasn't I wasn't obsessed with the idea of matching numbers because of the way I wanted to use it, but uh, I know that it will help the residual value if I want to sell it one day. Well, that's there's, there's a question there because I don't know whether you saw this, and I'm just going to uh, just go off track a little bit. Uh, bring a trailer in the US. An auction just finished there last night. Um, a 65 Irish green, um, 912. Oh, paint, yes, I painted saw Painted dial, it. three dial, and it sold yeah. for 80, was it 85 or 95,000 US dollars? And, and it's, it's not, not matching numbers. Not matching numbers. Yeah. So, I don't know, the value of matching numbers, if, I mean, if there is value in matching numbers, and, well, then it's even higher than that, but the prices are getting a little bit crazy when you think about it, when it's up to that amount already in the US. Yes, yes, they are, and I'll... We'll come on to a couple of stories about 912 values. Um, but I just want to go to the dealer that you bought this from. So this dealer yep. was a, was pretty much oblivious. He didn't really know much about the 912. Did he have many of the records from the previous owner apart from the revival, 912 revival or service records? Was there anything else that came with the car? No. There was a, there was a document to say the car uh, had the, um, the the initial registration date. So it's a, it's a November 68 912, so it's a 69 model year. It was first registered in uh, Belgium, but it spent some time in Holland, or it's the other way around. I can't okay. remember. Um, but then there's a long, you know, a, a sort of a, a long gap with nothing before the car arrived in the UK. I think in 
2015. Um, okay. And, and like a lot of 912s, I think it had suffered because uh, when their values were extremely low, people didn't bother to store them or even repair them properly. They just fixed them up, quite frankly. Yes, true, uh, and, true. And, and naively, I thought that I would know what I was buying, so I didn't have an inspection. Um, which I should have had. Okay, um, so you bought it from the dealer. You didn't really get anything checked. You didn't check underneath the undercarriage. You didn't get a PPI. You didn't get anything done. No. You just literally went there, liked the color, liked how it looked, and, and purchased the car. And I, I, I drove it, and it, it, it seemed to drive well. Um, and from the service records from 912 Revival, was there a lot of work that had been done? Did that give you confidence to buy it? Yeah, there was a reasonable amount of engine work. Yeah, a reasonable amount of engine work had been done on the car. Um, okay. So I could, I could see that a good few thousand pounds spent on it. So once you uh, bought the car and once you took it home and you started getting it checked over, what was the major? What were the major things you found that were were issues that you thought were issues? Um, so well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I should sort of start by saying that I, I drove it four hundred miles home through France oh, really? and it ran it ran beautifully. No, no, no issues at all. Got it home, took it to um, a local auto specialist in Jersey, um, and, and he had a look over it. And he said, "Look, there's nothing, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the car." He said, "It's the, the engine, uh, the mechanics are pretty good on it." He said, "The body worked a bit, a bit ropey because, like a lot of these cars, it suffered from uh, basically just poor quality um, work on it. Um, it. It had a." A much later windscreen in it. Um, it, 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 it. The panels just, they, they were okay, but the fit on them wasn't tremendous. Okay. He said, look, if you, you know, you're never going to win a Concorde to this car, but it's mechanically sound and so you can drive it. Well, it's a good, it's a good sign that you drove it that many miles back. I mean, that must it's have been, good... you know, that's reassuring and, and, you know, and also a great thing to do when you pick up a, a, a new Porsche oh. as well, like that experience that you've actually driven that car and, 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 it's, and it's seen you through. It's actually got you back home. Absolutely. Um, and what I decided to do was to keep the car for uh, between six and 12 months, and just drive it. So rather than rushing to changing anything on the car, just to drive it first and get used to it and then see what I wanted to do with it. So I did that, um, and then I decided that I would um, I'd, I'd, I'd look at a reasonably extensive amount of work uh, car, and it's difficult to get that done in Jersey. There are there are some very good people here, yes, but they don't have enough specialist experience because they don't see enough of the same car. Okay. So I decided to go to the UK. There. So what's the process then? What have you decided, you know, what's the process when you want to do a full restoration on a 912? What have you decided to do? Do you take it to, well, if, tell the listeners who you've taken it to, I guess. Well, I've taken it to Andy Prill. Uh, oh, so okay. Prill Classic. Classic. Um, I, 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 I thought about Auto Farm. Yes. Because um, obviously I, I had a good experience of dealing with them a long time ago. But I knew... I knew from a little bit of research that that Andy was uh, a specialist in 912s. He he is or was the technical advisor to uh, the 912 registry. Yes. Um, I, I knew that he'd done a lot of work. I, I had a chat with him by phone and he said, look, I, I've done at least 100 912 engine rebuilds. 
Okay. Um, so I said, look, you, you you need to see the car. Yes. I sent him a few pictures. We had a little bit of that, but ultimately he said, you have to bring the car to me and I will go through the car and tell you what I think. Um, so I, I sent the car to him uh, and then I went over and um, he said, I'm going to take the engine out while you're here and I'm going to strip the engine while you're here so that you can see what I see. Okay. Um, and, so, and that, he, that, so he goes through the car top to bottom, Stephen. He goes through the car top to bottom and then he gives you, you go and see him and he gives you a list of everything that he thinks you should do. Is that correct? He goes through the car top to bottom and he gives you a list of everything you could do. Okay. And, uh, and, and of course, some of those things he says you should do. Yes. And some of those things you, you might want to do. So, so the way we're approaching it is um, he's doing a complete engine rebuild. Yes. Um, and um, because once we started stripping it down again, he said, there's nothing, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with your engine, but it hasn't been rebuilt for quite a long time. So um, it would do, you know, it would you know, do well to have it done. So how so are said, you with the engine? Sorry, Stephen. With the engine, yeah. how are you? How are you attacking it? Are you wanting to get more reliable? Get it back to the you know factory reliability of the time? Are you trying to get more power from the engine? What what is the direction you're going in with the engine? Well, um, I'm. I do want to get a little bit more power and a little bit more drivability um, from it. Um, what I discovered uh, from Andy um, was that. I, I, I can't say most, but a very significant number of 912s that are around have already had, uh, I think, what they call the big bore upgrade. Yeah. They're taken out from 1600, I think, to about 1720. Um, because you can do that um, without significant works to the engine. You basically, I'm, I'm not mechanically minded, um, but I think you basically just change, you change, achieve that. And what Andy said was, look, I can. Um, I can rebuild the engine that will just give you a little bit more power. It'll be just a little bit more tractable, but it won't fundamentally alter the characteristics of the engine, which I didn't want to do because what's the point of buying a 912 if you're going to, in my view, if you're, if you're going to completely alter its character? Yeah, true. So, so to give it some numbers, I think he said we will we'll take it from about 90 horsepower to about 110, 120. Okay. Good. It's quite nice. Yeah, that's nice. Um, now, the engine rebuild um, uh, led on to him having a look at the gearbox because just before it went over to him, I had a slight problem selecting the gear. Uh, so you can guess where that took me. So the engine, the gearbox has also been completely rebuilt as well. Okay. Um, the, one of the biggest issues was the wiring. Um, uh, the garage in Jersey uh, suggested that the wiring of the car had been done by a blind man. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah. Andy had a look at it and said, it's, he said, it's actually dangerous. Oh, okay. So you, you, I said, okay, that's fine. That's a, that's a given. So the car will be completely rewired. Um, I discovered, we discovered some, some things about the bodywork, like the actual floor tray uh, wasn't yeah. uh, wasn't from nine twelve. It was from something else. Uh, and that I was going to ask you about the floors actually, because that's a common. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, and all the listeners know that I'm looking at nine twelves, and the floors are always a common issue, aren't they? Because of the yeah. rust in nine elevens or nine twelves. So the floors were switched out and and it, done. It, not... it, 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 it was something else. It was right. a, not, probably an old. Well, uh, uh, 
It wasn't a 9.12. So how is he rectifying that? How is he restoring that? We're story? taking it out and putting a 9.12. Okay. There's no rust there, but I just didn't like the idea of having something that wasn't a 9.12. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Yeah, I'd be the same. How's the body work in general, though, Stephen? Is there, is there much rust? Pretty good. Rust-free. No, it's rust-free. And in the um, bonnet, in the frunk, it's okay? Uh, yeah, there was a, a tiny little bit of rust um, in the... Uh, yeah, in the in the front, or as um, as flat cap calls it. Yeah, the, no, um, what is that word he's using? <laughs> he calls it the fruit. Um, there was a tiny little bit of a okay. bit of rust down there, but it was surface rust, and and that was actually taken out very easily. Yeah, quite. Um, but one of the issues was that um, I I didn't know this until I had the car that nine twelves or at least some nine twelves had two batteries. Oh, really? Um, yeah, huh. and. Um, the um, the, the one had one battery which wasn't properly fitted in. Okay. So what Andy said is it needs it needs some body work uh, doing to it um, so that you can come back to having the proper two batteries in it. Um, so that led on. Was sorry, Stephen. Was it a particular year that had two batteries? Because I've never come across that either. Or was I it well, just I no. I, I I have to say I didn't. I didn't um, inquire as much as perhaps I should have done on that. Okay. Um, I took what Andy said, um, and he said, look, you know, you, you need to go back to the two batteries. The battery you have in is not right, um, and, um, you know, you may as well correct that because we're, re we're, we're rewiring the car. Um, there, there is some other sort of minor uh, body work to do around uh, the front, and they're going to do the, um, uh, uh, the floor tray as well. Um, and that, that, that's where we are with the car, by the way. It's, it's still it's still there. I'm okay. hoping it will be back by the um, um, probably by June. So when did you give it to Andy? How, what was the time frame he gave you to do this restoration? I gave it to him at the end of September. Okay. Uh, it was always going to take at least six months. Obviously, COVID had an impact. Yes. So um, we, are, are you doing are you doing anything to the paintwork? Are you keeping the paintwork as is? Or I'm keeping the paintwork. Um, the paintwork's in pretty good condition, and um, quite frankly, the cost of having the car completely resprayed to me is um, far outweighs any benefit. If if I'm going to use the car and I don't want to be too precious about it, I don't see the point of having um, a complete respray. The chrome yeah. work is fine, but it's it's, got, it's actually got quite a nice patina on it. So I'm absolutely happy to leave that. The priority is a nice running, reliable and safe car. But I like that better, don't you? I like it better I than do. The, the full concourse ones. And I know a few have come up in the UK. I know there was one in well, there was one in Wales that came up that was fully done in grey and it looked beautiful. But there's something nice when the paintwork's a little bit semi-original and it's got that character of patina, as long as it's reliable. How's the um, – I mean, I do like a clean interior, I have to say. I mean, some of the 912s so I. I see look a bit messy. Are you doing much to the interior? No, the interior – actually, the interior is pretty good. The um, seats were rebuilt um, before – uh, before I bought the car, they have um, they don't have the um, a pita um, pattern on them. They have a, a, a an unusual sort of red and black check, which actually I quite like. Okay. Um, cars got headrests, which were the original headrests that came with the car. Yeah. It was spec like that originally. Um, Nicer with the headrests. What about your steering? What about the steering wheel? Is it the ah, hockey puck or is it the other one? Um, it's the, uh, it's, it's, it's the, as far as I can tell, the original steering wheel uh, in the car. Now, I'm, it's one of those things I'm, I'm a little bit anal about. 
I do like the um, wood ones, though. I like it when they got the original. Yeah, wood I, ones I, in I'm there. I'm not so bothered. It, it, um, I, I wanted um, a a prototype, I, I, and I know you can buy replicas, but I kind of wanted to see if I could get an original. Andy had a few and uh, was good enough to let me have one. So oh, okay. I think it'll be an early 70s prototype wheel that we have in the car, which is just a little bit thinner yeah. than the modern ones. Nice. Um, I, I'm tall, so the standard wheel is a little bit cumbersome yeah. for me to use. So something that's slightly smaller, a little bit sportier is nice. Uh, don't want a radio, um, so I'll have the radio plate in. Okay. Um, I suppose the other thing is is the other thing that we debated uh, was carburetors. Yes. Um, has it, it got has the original? Web- oh no. Uh, it well, it has Webers on it, okay. but in a box that I was handed when I bought the car with the original Solex. Are you going to put um, those back in? Well, I am. Um, I went online, and I, and I have to say, I came away quite confused because for every person that said um, put back the original Solexes, someone else said no, 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 put the Webers on. I simply deferred to Andy, who said, look, the car came with Solexes. He said, Your, yours are in perfectly good condition. I will rebuild them. I know how to set them up. Um, yeah. I think you should put the Solexes back on. So I said, look, okay, that's absolutely fine by me. I think that's, that's good advice, do. though, isn't it? I mean, that that is the thing that I've been reading and, and come away with, that if you know someone who is good at restoring them or setting them up, then you're okay. But there are a lot of people who don't know how to set them up, I think, with the Solex. It's, it, that's what the issue is. That's the impression I got. I mean, I'm, you know, m- much to my, my father's great disappointment, who was an engineer, I'm, I'm mechanically inept. And so yeah, I do need to rely on, <laughs> on other people. Yes. Um, and so, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm relying totally on Andy to do this. Well, that's good advice. I think he's given you good advice. It sounds like, I mean, you've gone to one of the, you know, one of the really good specialists, that's for sure. Um, so... Of the list that Andy gave you, of all the things he had on the list for you to do, what did you leave out? What did you decide not to do? Um, the well, I'm not having uh, I'm not having the body off um, and resprayed, um, so I'm not doing that. I'm not doing anything. Well, but we didn't even talk about the interior because I, I said we would leave the interior alone. Um, mechanically, I'm, I'm having everything done um, because I think. Um, the car's away for six, what, six, probably nine months. I might as well use that time to get everything done. It's not it's not terribly convenient for me, of course. I, I can't just drive it down the road and get into do stuff. Yeah, true. So I'd rather say, well, you've, you're going to have the car for a long time. Just do everything mechanically that you think needs to be done to it. Um, and then, um, uh, and, and on the bodywork, let's just do at the moment what we consider to be pretty much essential to do but let's leave it at that as i say we don't don't need to do anything else to the body doesn't doesn't need a respray um, how are the um how are the wheels and the suspension side of it are they uh the wheels well um i was lucky actually because it come it has an original set of fukes with it okay. um but the dealer also gave me a set of steel wheels um i and i'm actually going to put the steels on they're in my garage at the moment here Great. and um, love the steel wheels I, I do as well. I'm, I'm I'm debating about whether to have it lowered very slightly. Um, I know that's a that's a hot topic. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure about. I mean, I think it looks good. And Nick at the Classic Series, who's been on Owner Stories from the UK, who's got the white one, he lowered his. And yes. I know Ajmal's in the process of lowering his himself. I do like them when they're lowered, but I kind of like them when they're 
a bit high. I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I, I for think... For me, I, I kind of like that look. I think I'm actually going to have to um, put the steels on it. Oh, I'm also having the uh, Danska Sports Exhaust on it. Oh, yeah, well. fantastic. Um, so I think that will just... Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Sound sounds really good. A little bit better. Um, I think I'm actually going to have to stand by somebody and say, right, lower the car. Now let me have a look at that. Does that look right? Now either lower it a bit more or take it up a bit. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. A decision there. Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, it looks good both ways. I don't know. I don't know. It's. I think for me, I think I'd keep it at original. I mean, I guess it depends on how it drives and how it feels and how, you know, what suspension you're running and how the suspension feels and all that side of thing, or how the shocks are, if you've upgraded the shocks. It does. It's got pony shocks on it, Okay. Um, which I believe was an upgrade because one of the things I did was I, um, I didn't have a um, – because I didn't have the history, and I don't think in the UK at the moment you can get a certificate of authenticity from Porsche. All right. But I reached out to Porsche DB. And I gave them the details of the car, so I gave them the chassis. Yes. They came back and they confirmed the original spec of the car in their letter. Oh, that's good. Which I thought was very good. Um, so they confirmed that it's matching, it is a matching numbers car. They confirmed the colour is Irish green. Yes. And they confirmed that the car was ordered with, the options ordered were pony shops and uh, headrests. Fantastic. In a letter. So that, that was quite good. So for someone that's listening, someone like me as well, someone who's listening who wants to buy a 912, and they find one that's a bit of a mess. What is the sort of, and you don't have to divulge this, but what what is the sort of money you have to put aside for a restoration like this based on the cost of the car? Are you talking about, based on a value of a 912 now in the UK, you're talking about half the value, you're talking about the full value you have to add back in? What's What sort of cost would you have to put aside to to do this in the future? If I bought a 912 now and I think, hey, okay, I want to do what Stephen's done, I want to fix it up. I'm going to take it to Andy Prill and get it fixed up. Uh, well, Andy's, he won't mind me saying, he's not the cheapest person to use. Yeah, no. He, but he doesn't aspire to be the cheapest people. Um, uh, so I, I think, I mean, it depends on, obviously, the level that you go to. And one, of the, one of the problems with the 912 is that once you get into the body, there's no difference between restoring a 912 and a, you know, a 2.2S. Yes. It's a £150,000, £200,000 car. Um, I think, I think you can you you can easily double what you spend. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I you know I, I paid a little bit too much probably for my car. Uh, I don't mind sharing. I, it cost me forty thousand. Um, forty, yeah. Which is um, a good price now, Stephen. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, later. it's a good price now. A year it may later, not that's a actually pretty good. It may not have been a couple of years ago. Um, the restoration is going to take me to a place which is beyond the value of the car. Um, but that's, for me, at the moment, that's okay because I'm going to use it. I think if I was going to sell it, then I would just I would just lose money on it. Yes. But I, 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 I was never planning to do that. I, I want to use the car for a while and enjoy it. And so for me, yes. it's worth doing. But I think... If you're going to have it restored by a professional and you're going to have a lot of work done, then I think you can spend anything between twenty and 50000 doing it. So it yeah. isn't that difficult if you want a perfect 912 to end up with something that's cost you, and I haven't spent this much, but that's cost you eighty, ninety thousand pounds 90000 Yes, yes. I had this discussion with Andy, and he said, yes, that's true, but if you have a really, really good one, you just might get that for it in this market. Now, to me, they're probably not worth that much. 
Yeah, a lot of people don't think the 912ers are worth it. And I, I think it's wrong because, you know, you look at 65 to 68, 65 to 69 911s. You look at 65 911s, right? And the price that they're yep. fetching. And, you six know, figures. You, yeah, six figures. And you think about that 65 912 that just sold and bring a trailer for 85,000. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's good value. It still is good value. You know what I mean? And 65s tend to get a little... I mean, I don't know. They seem... The 65912s seem to be getting more sought after because they're the three dial. I prefer the five dial. I don't really like the painted dial. I um, prefer the five dial as well. <clears throat> see, my, my whole idea of the 912s changed a bit because originally I thought I just wanted a 69. I just wanted the long wheelbase to 69. Yeah. Um, I've kind of lost that idea now. I mean, if a 69 comes up, then sure, you know, I'll, I'll probably choose that over a, a 68 or a 67. Out of all the model years, which is the one that's less sought after? Do you know in the 912s? Um, no, I can't, I can't say I do. Um, I wouldn't get hung up, actually, personally, between a short or long wheelbase. Um, it would There's not, not much difference, is there? No, I, I, I'm not sure that someone like myself could really tell. Um, I, I think you're much better off saying, first of all, what am I going to do with this car? You know, am I? Is it something I want to polish at weekends and just take down to the pub? In which case, I probably want something which is a little bit more original. Yeah. Um, do Do I really want to have one eye on uh, on on resale in 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 a couple of years' time? Uh, in which case, again, you're you're inevitably going to be drawn towards uh, an original uh, and and one with history. But if you're going to say, actually, I, I want to track this car or I want to use it. Um, uh, for some reason, like historic valuing, then you want a mechanically sound car. But you don't. Do you really care whether it's matching numbers, whether it's Not short really. or long wheelbase? Yeah, true, true. No, yeah, I think those things become less. I think you're doing the right thing. I mean, I think you know you've you've picked a really good place to do it. I mean, you know, I always think nine twelve revival is a great place to get something work done as well in the UK. But I, I forgot about Andy Prill. I mean, I remember reading about him before. Um, so I think you've done the right in the right direction, you're going to have a really well-sorted 912. And even the money you put into it, we can see the value of them, you know, US, UK values especially. You know, the values are, are, are rising very quickly and people are, starting yeah, to, people are starting to notice them. More by luck than you. Yeah, and people are starting to notice them though, aren't they? People are starting to think, hang on, they're not, you know, they're not the well, underdog to the 911 anymore. Um, I think for some people they always will be. Uh, you can read plenty of articles that will tell you that an early nine to, uh, a nine twelve from that era is a nicer drive than a stock nine eleven. Now I haven't driven um, anything earlier than a sixty nine nine eleven, so I'm not I'm not sure I could um, really say. What I could say is that compared to the E that I drove, the nine twelve is easier to drive and okay. it's easier to extract the performance, and I'd feel much more comfortable driving the nine twelve hard than I would an old 911 because we all know they can bite you. Yes, yes. So before we started recording, I was talking to you about how I saw those two cars at European Collectibles um, in the US. Do you have any friends that have, that have bought 911s or 912s from the US? And is it an easy process to get them back into the UK? Uh, I've got a friend who bought a car from European Collectibles. Um, I think it was, uh, he'll listen to this podcast, so if I get it <laughs> wrong, he'll be able to tell me. Uh, I think it's a six, it was a 69 2.2e. Okay. He obviously bought it uh, unseen, but uh, he, he had a very good um, experience with them. Um, he had the car shipped to the UK. It took a few months. Um, 
and he sent the car when it arrived. I think he sent it to Auto Farm, um, and they told him it was a it was a very a very good straight car. Uh, I I drove it and thought it was a an, an excellent car. Um, drove drove very well. He had it for a few years. Um, he did very well on it. He sold it uh, for quite a bit more, I think, than he paid for it. Right. right. Um, but he had he had no no issue. Yeah, they always seem to get some quite good uh, good Porsches in there. They've got a nice um, they've got a nice silver nine eleven T in there at the moment as well. For about I've seen hundred. that. You seen like that one? It. Yeah. yeah and did you nice see? Car. Did you watch the video, Stephen, on YouTube? He's put a video on his YouTube channel, European Collectibles. No, I haven't. And yet. he's got a driving video, and I tell you, it makes you even like it anymore. I mean, it seems to be very spirited that car. Um, I, I think silver is a great color. And I think the price that he's got it at is one hundred and fourteen thousand US dollars. I think it is somewhere like that, one hundred and ten, hundred and one hundred and eighteen, maybe. Yeah. And I think that price is it fully restored. It's fully restored. Yeah, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, you, that's a pr- pretty good price. Another friend of mine is just bought from Camford Classics. Um, Where is that? Where is that? That is down in. Uh, oh goodness me! He's going to be shouting at uh, the podcast when he listens to it. Um, it's uh, is it Dorset one somewhere down there? Okay, I haven't heard of that. I'll check that out. But he uh, Camford been quite well known. He's bought um, uh, it's a 911T, but it has a 2.7 engine in it. Okay. Um, in a lovely uh, metallic blue. I don't think it's Minerva blue, which is quite a well known colour for them. But um, he bought that um, literally a few uh, a few weeks ago, and he tells me the car is absolutely wonderful. Wow, fantastic, it. fantastic. So you've got a lot of friends who are into Porsches and that's even better. Uh, yeah, someone else just bought a, a 996 GT3 the other day. Oh, really? Great. Mark 1 or Mark 2? Uh, it's a, oh, I think it's a Mark 2. Nice. I think it's a Mark 2. Nice. Uh, my next door neighbor has a 356. Oh, really? Um, Which model? So, yeah, yes. A 356, A, B or C? It's a C, uh, very, very original car, low mileage. Um, a wonderful car. Sounds absolutely wonderful. Yeah, the three the three five six is a weird one. I've never been a huge fan, but after speaking to Todd at Stone City Outlaw, who was on Owner Stories, and after speaking to PJ and Mark at Mark and Cars, who have got three five sixes, there, there's something about them. There is something about them. Um, I, I think that I think we're we're all like that, aren't we? I think that we um, we fixate on a car, and our friends and our colleagues can try to talk us out of it, but actually. We've already made our mind up. We, yeah. we want this car, yeah. and it's we just simply go after the car we want. And I, I, I guess that's the right thing because the nine twelve is like that. I, you know, people are trying to talk me I out found. of the nine twelve. They keep trying to talk me out. Don't, of it. don't, don't, don't. Even my wife is trying to talk me out of it. Don't be talked <laughs> out of it. You know, I, I took my wife out in the Orin two point four S. I took her once, and um, at the end of the journey, she said to me, "Don't ever take me in this car again." Um. But the 912, she was, this is fine. It's more comfortable. You didn't have bucket seats. 912 doesn't have bucket seats. Yeah, this, is, this is okay. I'm looking forward to when you, I'm looking forward to when you get it uh, back to, to Jersey and back to dry and driving it for the first time, Stephen. It's going to be great. Are you, so going, to go, are you going to go to the UK and see it just when it, before it's finished? I'm going, to go, I'm going to go to the UK and drive it home. Drive it home? Um, oh, and fantastic. I, I was hoping to drive it to the Le Mans Classic, which they've just deferred. But, but all things being equal, I will... Um, I will certainly run into the Le Mans Classic next year. Uh, I'm a very regular uh, visitor to Goodwood. Um, so I would certainly try to get it to Goodwood. Great. Probably, maybe to the Revival or something. Um, uh, and then 
I don't think it's going to happen now, but there is uh, an historic rally. I think it's Liège, Liège, Brescia, Liège. Okay. So a variation on the on the original uh, Liège, Rome, Liège. Yes, yes. Which I would love to do with the car one day. That's the type of thing I want to do with it. Oh, it's fantastic. You're going to have some great fun with it. I Hopefully I'll get to see the pictures of this car. I'll get to see it one day. Yeah, it sounds like it's sure. going to be It's going to be look fantastic. Um, so what, okay, you know what I'm going to ask you? You've got the 912. Are you still looking for something else? Are you still looking for another car to add to your garage? Well, I'm going to be safe that my wife is never going to listen to this. <laughs> because apparently, as I said, you can have too many cars. I have a, uh, I have a uh, 420 SL Mercedes. Uh, 1989 car. So, 420, okay. Yeah. But those 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 of the listeners who are old enough think of the Bobby Ewing car from Dallas. Oh right. Yeah, okay. But it's done twenty-three thousand miles. It's an original wow. um car. Uh, and that's a little bit of a garage queen. Um I love that car. Um I don't have much more space. I have um I have a new Golf R arriving um hopefully in in a few months' time. Okay. Nice car. Uh, daily drive. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and again, I... Very powerful. I should probably have just settled for a GTI, but I just wanted to try an R. Yeah. And yeah. I haven't been able to talk... I haven't been able to pull myself out of it. So, <laughs> uh, I, mean, um, I suppose the, the, the answer is I'm always looking. Um, I haven't got enough garage space for anything else. And so another car would mean storage away from which is a little bit of a drag yes um yes. i i wonder about 911 i mean if if i was um if i was looking at a 911 now i i think that the 997 offers a lot of car for the money yeah I um agree. i've actually um i drove a uh a, a, a friend's carrera s he'll remember because we took it to spa to yeah and I just thought it was the best car at the time I'd ever driven. Yeah. No, look, I love, my, I love my 997, but I did say, you know, I have actually said a couple of times, you know, if you can find a good 997.2 Carrera 2S in manual, I think that that car is going to be such a classic in years to come. It's going to be I such, think so. it's such a fantastic car. There's not that many it, of them around due to the time that it came out, um, you know. And in, in Australia, they didn't actually bring out the GTS in manual. They only had the GTS in... Um, uh, they only had okay. the GTS in PDK. So that's why that Carrera 2S, especially for people of the Australian listeners, it is a very special car, especially in the point two, um, because some people still want to avoid the point one due to IMS issues. I don't have a big problem with it, but you know, having, you know, owning a 997.1 and I, you know, if, if a point two came up and a Carrera S came up in a reasonable price and a, you know, a good spec, I would be tempted. I have to say I would be tempted to upgrade to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I think that the, the nine nine seven is um, it's a it's a classic looking um, nine eleven. Uh, they drive very well indeed. They're not they're not so big and so fast that they're becoming unusable, which yes. for me is is an issue now. I, I like the nine nine one. I've driven um, I've driven the GTS version. I thought again was an absolutely brilliant car. Yeah, it's a beautiful car. But, but for me, it's probably the end of currently of, uh, 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 of nine eleven because I think the latest version is just too big. Yeah. Um, and I think they're reaching a point now, a little bit like you know modern Ferraris, where they're they're so fast. I don't know what you can do with them. Yeah, true. On true. the road, you 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 you, you know you can't. You can't really enjoy them on a road without taking a lot of risk. 
Well, um, look at the trouble you get into with the Turbo S. If you had a 992, you know, Turbo S, it's insane. It's a fantastic car, but they are huge. Yeah. When, when, certainly when, when, when I've, I've seen them over here. Yeah. But even in the UK, they're so big. Yeah, they are. Um, and they're so fast. I, I say, I'm just not quite sure what you can what you can do with them. I think you can, you can have, quite frankly, you can have a lot more fun at slow speeds. Yes. Yeah, which is what I like about the 912. Look, for me, I think, you know, the 997 and the 912 are a perfect uh, perfect combination. Yeah, I think two, I perfect agree. two cars. So that's that's my that's my aim. Um, Stephen, we're almost at the end, but I always like to ask a question. You kind of touched on it already. There's not a lot of great roads, you said, where you are in Jersey, but what are the favorite roads you like to drive on to drive a 911? If, if a listener's listening and the listeners who are listening who, who are going to Europe, what road would you say definitely take your 911 on that road? Um, if you're down south, then uh, take a trip down to Goodwood. Uh, so uh, come down the uh, from Gatwick Airport, come down the M23, and then head across country uh, so that you go through a place called Winsboro Green and you drive down to Petworth and then you go from Petworth to Goodwood. Yeah, I have to admit, I, I did do that drive with, um, I think I did that drive on that road with uh, Nick who was on the very first owner stories from the UK, who's got a career 4S. And we went to Goodwood and uh, he came here and met up with me. And uh, we went down to Goodwood and had lunch down there at the um, at the Goodwood the Goodwood restaurant there, whatever it's called. Yep. I, I don't know what the it's kennels. called. Yeah, the kennels. The kennels. It was yep. fantastic. Yeah, it was a fantastic drive and a fantastic day down there. It's it's, it's a great road as long as it's clear. Um, I've driven it many times uh, and I, I do enjoy that. Um, I... I haven't done it, but I, it's absolutely on my bucket list to do the North Coast 500. Yeah. Um, it's becoming so popular now that I'm just a little bit concerned about, about traffic volumes uh, and like. Um, I think if you've got the time and the inclination, then, then head down to Cornwall um, because it's, it's, it's quieter down there. There are some great driving roads uh, down there. Depends what you want. I mean, if you... You know, even the I think it's the A30. Once you're past Exeter, is, um, is 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 quite a good road to drive in. For example, a modern 911. Um, so where's the first place you're going to take the 912? You're going to drive it back from London. Where where are you going to where are you going well, to? Well, I'm going to well, I'm going to drive it. I'm I'm debating which way to go, but I will probably take it um, if I can, probably just through the tunnel, and then I'll drive it back through northern France. It's left-hand drive, so it's. It's very easy to drive in France, yeah. and then just take the um, the uh, something like the coast road through northern France, so from Calais all the way around to Saint Malo, where we get very home. Um, there's some lovely quiet roads there. Um, you can really it's it's far far nicer driving there than it is in the south of England, because the roads are better quality and much less crowded. So if I have my way, I will I will bring the car home that way. And that's one of the advantages in Jersey. You're only an hour by ferry um, from France, and there are great driving roads in the in the whole of North France. Fantastic. I'll probably use the car more over there than I would in the UK. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Stephen. Thanks for being on um, Owner Stories today. It's been great talking to you. I mean, no, thank you. I've, I've you've had some it. great cars, that's for sure. You really have, and you've got a great 912, which I'm very, very excited about. As you know, it's uh, it's. I hope so. And and you know, just just keep looking, Michael. The, the car, the car that you want, you, you'll, you'll know it when you when you see it, uh, and, and 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 go for it. Yeah, true. Absolutely, you won't regret it. Absolutely. All right, thank you so much, Stephen. Great talking to you. No problem.
All right, enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, as Portugal's owner stories, that's Stephen coming in from Jersey. Um, until next time, bye for now.